Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kim Pack's hat, you has had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Thursday night. I am Uncle Jim, and that means it's time for another episode of Trek Talking. And with me, as usual, are my Trek experts. We'll start out with Eric. He's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I am doing fantastic. It's a little drizzly outside, but it's been cool. It's been a nice spring day, and, man, I am excited to talk about some really good Trek tonight, some really, really, oh, really yeah. good Trek. Yeah, we got some good stuff, good, good, good stuff. And we also have with us our very own Charles. He's out in Las Vegas, a place that I'm going to be visiting not too long in the future. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. I think the city, I'm, I'm not sure if the city's shifting to the uh, an inch to the east or the inch to the south, but the wind's trying to push the city in some direction. We're getting a nice little windstorm coming out today, and see, it's going to drop us from 90s to 70s tomorrow. We're not sure what we're going to do. We oh, might dude. have to pull up a long sleeve shirt. It is so. It's it's actually hot here in Vermont. It's eighty. We're going to camp tomorrow, so it's a perfect weekend. Uh, I want to let you guys know I'm trying an experiment. We got some great news that I'm going to share with you in a minute, but I'm doing the show a different way tonight. Um, I'm doing the show through my Kindle instead of through my laptop to give try this experiment out. So if things don't sound right or are they fuzzy or something is wrong. And I get dropped. Eric and Charles are just going to continue on. I'll get my laptop and I'll get back connected that way. So let's hope everything works out fine. So we have a great show playing for you guys. We're going to be talking about a movie from 1980. What's that? Get away from me. Stop that. I should lift her. My room for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. That's right. We're going to be talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan tonight. So uh, you guys want to stay tuned. That's going to be a little bit later in the show. And that particular clip of Khan, that's a little inside joke. I always play that show before we go on the air. I play that clip and I'll say, I'll say, Charles. And then I'll say, Eric. It's just a little thing we do to to get in the proper frame of mind <laughs> to, uh, to come on the show. So this time I got to play the clip for you guys as part of the show, but don't worry, we have more great clips to play and 
going to be a great show. So we're going to be talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And also, Walter Koenig talks about Captain Kirk and Ricardo Maltoban in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I wonder what he's got to say. Hmm, interesting. Michelle Yeoh talks Giorgio. Mulgrew talks Janeway and Prodigy. And uh, is Star Trek oversaturated? Interesting. Lots of great topics. Also, we have Star Trek birthdays, fan shout-outs, top cities, and around the globe as usual. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And remember, revenge is a dish. Best served cold. And it's very cold in space. So with that out of the way, uh, a friend of mine, Mark Lee, did a show on Friday, and I did it from camp, and he asked me to be on, and I had just gotten the email. Eric and Charles were privy to it, but it hadn't been finalized just quite yet. It was in the works, but I got the email on Friday afternoon, and uh, Creation Entertainment invited Truck Talking to the Star Trek 55-year mission Las Vegas convention, which is really exciting news. I am so psyched. I'm so stoked for it. Um, you know, people think that we're, you know, some big podcast or something, but we're not. We're very small. And like I said, I'm up here in Vermont. Charles is out in Vegas. Eric's out in Portland. Um, you know, this is our 351st podcast. We've been doing it for a long time, but we're just fans like you guys. We don't get paid. We just do this for fun. And uh, for them to call up and want us to come out there and be their official podcast is really exciting for me. Anyways, and so uh, we're going to do it. We're going to try to get out there. COVID's been tough, and so we could use your help. Basically, um, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see there's a GoFundMe account. Uh, and there's also a private fundraiser that I put up before we got the GoFundMe account set up. Either one of those, those accounts go to the same place. And, you know, all it takes is a dollar and a dream. We have a dream and you have the dollar. With over 51,438 followers on our Facebook page and listeners around the globe, um, it shouldn't be too difficult to raise enough money for us to get there. We also want to get some T-shirts made up and have the table look professional, have a banner and things of that nature. You can find out all that information on our GoFundMe page and also on our Facebook page. So please help us to get there. We really would appreciate it. The exposure, I think, to the, the thousands and thousands of fans that are going to be there, plus being in all the advertising literature for creation entertainment um, for the Star Trek 55-year mission is going to be great publicity for us. And of course, the better that our show is, the greater opportunities we have to bring you more guests and more inside information. So it's a kind of a, a you wash my back and I'll wash yours type of a thing. So please, if you can help us, we really would appreciate it. As of right now, we've raised enough money to get out of Albany, New York and fly all the way to Wisconsin. So right now we're dangling in Wisconsin. We are about three eighths of the way there. We're almost halfway to Vegas. So uh, we want to get all the way to Vegas. So please, please help us out if you can. We would really, really, really appreciate it. Um, Charles, Eric, do you have any? Oh, and I just want to say thank you to Eric because Eric uh, wrote up all the, the literature that you're going to read when you go to our GoFundMe page. And also when you go to the fundraiser, uh, that nice little write-up that you see there was done by Eric. Uh, one other thing that I want to throw out there before we move on, Leslie Hoffman is going to be joining us. We're going to have a 10-foot booth. 
because Leslie is my co-host on Stunt Treks, which is currently on I Hate Us because of summer and I'm at camp. So Leslie will be joining us at the convention, and she will be at our booth signing autographs the entire weekend. So uh, stop by and say hello and uh, get an autograph. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait. I'm looking forward to meeting some of you people face-to-face. I'm most excited about meeting Charles. I've only heard a voice uh, for the past five years. It's going to be great to give him a nice big hug and say hello, meet him in person, as well as all of you guys that we talk to on the show. I'm hoping that I can meet some of you, put some faces to some voices, get some great pictures for our Facebook page, and just spread the joy. Uh, Eric, Charles, you want to add anything about the uh, 55-year mission before we move on and dive into the show? No, but there'll be a lot of news coming up. As we go, you'll get more news from my side of it, because there's definitely a lot of side, a lot going on from the local side as well. And we are going to be live. We're going to go live every day of the convention. We will be live. Um, I'm testing this thing out right now to see if it works, and so far it seems to be. So uh, I will have my Kindle with me, and we will be doing live shows every day from the convention. And hopefully we can talk to you. Stop by the booth, say hello. We'll get you on the air. You can share your thoughts. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to try to capture the excitement of the whole thing live on the radio for you guys. So head on over to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. You have to spell that all out, and uh, you'll see the fundraiser for me, Uncle Jim, under Jim Yeager. You'll also see a link for the GoFundMe page. They're both the same, either or, and uh, help us out in any way you can. We really, really appreciate it. So without any further ado, I've gotten that out of the way. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Let's get down to the Trek Talking. As I said, um, yeah, so the Facebook page did change, but I had to change it back because when I set up the fundraiser, and the GoFundMe page, everything was linked to our old Facebook page, and it, and it wasn't working with the new one. So we had to go back to the original one, which is Trek Talking and Beyond, all spelled out. Um, so the other, one, the other uh, Facebook ad page address is still there and still active. So if you go to Trek Talking, a podcast, uh, you'll still find us. Uh, it'll just redirect you back to the original page. That's all. So at any rate... Um, we have 51,426 followers as of right now on our Facebook page, which is awesome. And speaking of followers, Eric, who do we have around the globe? Oh, my gosh, Jim, they come from all over the place, and I'm so excited about that. About three-quarters of our listeners come from the United States, which, of course, is where we all broadcast from. Uh, but we have a lot of people who are international for us, uh, who listen to us too. And our number one international listening country this week setting, that's right, yet another record. I, I've lost count. Like, I, I don't think I have enough fingers to count the record that the UK has set as an international uh, listener of Trek Talking. 5.67% of our listeners come from the UK. So. Wow, uh, big support growing there. Uh, I don't know where it's coming from, but we are very excited to see the numbers climbing month after month. We love the folks in the UK for listening to us, for downloading our show. Thank you so much for being in that number one slot for forever, it seems like. I don't even remember who the last 
country was that was in that number one slot. But we really, really appreciate all of your support. Thank you, all the folks in the UK. Uh, in our number two spot, we have the folks down under Australia with 4.14% of our listeners, which I think is probably one of the highest numbers that they've achieved along the way, too. So, you know, the UK and Australia both carrying uh, the bulk of the weight here, bringing more international listeners to the fold. But wait, there's more. Canada is surging 2.99% of our listeners now, just about 3% of our listeners coming from Canada. You know, there were glory days when they were up in the fives. Uh, then they, they went down a little bit, but we are happy to see our brothers and sisters to the north climbing once again. So thank you, Canada. Uh, but there's still folks from Scandinavia holding on as well in that number four spot. Norway, 2.15% of our listeners come from Norway. Thank you. I'd love to to go to Norway and figure out what uh, the Trek Talking community is there. Uh, we love that you're there, and it's amazing to see your numbers climbing as well. So thank you so much. And finally, rounding out our top five, sitting just about where they were last week, 1.23% of our listeners come from Germany. So thank you to all of our listeners, both international and domestic Literally every single one of you means something to us, uh, whether you're just interacting on the Facebook page or downloading the show or calling in. Don't forget you can call in live right now. <laughs> yes, you yes, so you can. <laughs> and I just, I, I hate to sound like a commercial, but uh, we're more than just a podcast. We're blog talk radio, and that's because we have a phone number, which gives you, the fan, the opportunity to talk to us and be part of the show. And, of course, the phone number is 646-668-2433, and uh, we would absolutely love to hear from you right now. So give us a call, and we'll get you on the air. And um, with that, we, we, we added a new segment to our show where we do our top cities. And for that, we turn to Charles. So, Charles, who, what's going on with our top cities? Well, not a lot of – no real change in our top ten. A couple of our notables, and I'll have to get to Jim, but I'll get some of our other notables eventually. But Portland and Vegas always seem to be jumping around. Portland dropped down to 21st this week. But Vegas went from – Portland went from 20th to 21st. Vegas jumped from 19th to 17th. So maybe a few of our 55-year mission fans are catching on. But we go to our usual top 10. Sao Paulo, Brazil, San Antonio, Texas, Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, Chicago, Illinois, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Los Angeles, California, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, Sydney, South Wales, Australia, London, UK, and New York City. New York City? (laughs) 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 Gotta love New York City. Been there several times. My summers down there as a kid growing up. Love New York City. Great place. Full of energy. Lots of life down there. The melting pot, as they say. So, mm-hmm. um, so guys, you know, not only do we do our top cities, which is really cool, so we can find out where you guys are listening from, narrow it down a little bit from our top countries, but 
we try to be a little bit more personal than just countries and cities. And for that, we do individual fan shout outs. Now, if you want to hear your name on a fan shout out, just go over to Truck Talking and beyond. And while you're there, you can can help us out with our GoFundMe to get us to the 55-year mission in Las Vegas. But while you're there, you'll see the Live Long and Prosper symbol and just tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name, that means Uncle Jim, myself, have uh, picked your name and you're going to be given a personal fan shout-out on the next show. So, Eric, who do we have for fan shout-outs in your batch? Well, our very first fan shout-out this week, of course, goes internationally to Sylvia English from Slovakia. Wow, I think that might be the first time we've had anybody from Slovakia uh, checking in on us on our Facebook page. So thank you very much, Sylvia. Great to have you along for the ride. Uh, really means a lot. Thank you so much. Uh, Alexander Krop from Bavaria near Austria, also in Europe there. Alexander Thank you very much, and a hearty Julan uh, true to you, since I can't take uh, Jim's kapla. <laughs> <laughs> We're also saying hello and thank you very much to Deborah Hammer from, that's right, my state of Oregon. Deborah, maybe we know each other. Maybe we've seen each other. Do you hang out in Portland? Perhaps you do. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we're also saying hello and thank you this week to Julie Lubavitch from Wollongong, Australia. One of those folks down under in that number two spot. Julie, maybe you're the reason that we have so many listeners in Australia. Thank you so much. And finally, on my list, I have hello and thank you for Mark Shelton from Stockport in England, one of our UK listeners. Thank you, Mark. Really means a lot. Uh, we appreciate your support so much. And Charles, you have some folks on your list. I sure do. Let's start off with Lou Wayne in Belfast, Northern Ireland, in Northeast Scotland. We got top fan Annie Derrick from Connecticut. Sandar Boda from Hungary. And a greetings to Williams Briggs from Richmond, Virginia. Jim, how about you? Well, I'm going to wrap out our fan shout-outs, wrap them up. I, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I've got some great people to say hello and thank you to. We're going to start off with Radina Mata- uh I can't read it on my Kindle. I'm going blind. <laughs> Radina Mar- Martinova. From Bulgaria. <laughs> I guess I found the problem with the Kindle. Is there a way to make this screen bigger? Pinch. See if you can pinch. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Duh. I'm old. You can't teach an old, an old dog new tricks. See, that's why we're, we're learning. <laughs> I'd also like to say hello and thank you to Sonny Ravi from McKinney, Texas. We'd like to say kapla to top fan Eugene Maurice from Quebec City. We'd like to say thank you to Stephen A. Kinski from Perth, Washington. And last but not least, hello and thank you for listening to Terry Lynch from San Diego, California. You guys are the best. And as you heard me say many times, and I'm going to say it again right now, Star Trek fans are the best. So thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to hear your name on a fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page and tell us where you're from. And now... We go to Star Trek birthdays.
That was not a Klingon song. And uh, we usually start out our birthdays with our remembrances for those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric, and he's got a rather lengthy list. So who, who do you have on your list for us tonight, Eric? I have a long list, but there are some interesting connections between the folks uh, who are no longer with us that would have had a birthday this week. The first person we're honoring is Yvonne Craig, who played the character of Marta in the TOS episode, Whom Gods Destroy. She was, uh, of course, an Orion slave girl in that one. But, uh, you know, I got to know her, and maybe many people know her uh, more from, at least for me, watching reruns of the old Batman series. She played Batgirl as well. So uh, great actress, uh, great role on Star Trek, um, and, you know, forever stuck in my mind as the Batgirl. So happy birthday uh, and remembrances going out to Yvonne Craig. We're also saying uh, happy birthday and remembrances this week to Barry Atwater, who played the character of Serac in the TOS episode The The Savage Curtain. Of course, Serac being, uh, you know, the father of uh, Vulcan philosophy and uh, it was cool to be able to meet him, although it wasn't really him, but, you know, that's a technicality. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but Barry Atwater played uh, a very cool character there, and it was great to meet Serac. So um, happy birthday to Barry. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love uh, to Alice Andres, who uh, played – I just love that her name matches her character. She also uh, – she played the Alice series of Androids. Uh, in the TOS episode, I Mud, um, she's very recognizable, kind of had that, you know, hair, 60s hair piled on top of her head and got to play multiple copies of herself. Um, she also has a connection back to Batman. Uh, she also appeared on Batman. So uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to Alice Andres. Uh, happy birthday to Kay Elliott, who, uh, like the last person we just honored, was also in iMud. She actually played Stella Arcord uh, in iMud. Kay Elliott uh, would have had a birthday this week. Um, and I just love her hairdo. She had the, remember, she had the, like, the red hair with like the pointy corners um, <laughs> and her voice. <laughs> so happy birthday, uh, and our love goes out to uh, Kay Elliott. Um, happy birthday and remembrances also to Stephanie Nitznik, who played the Trill Ensign Kel Parham in uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Um, and uh, we're also remembering this week Elizabeth Rogers. Um, she is a pretty famous actress. You, she played many parts, actually. She played Lieutenant Palmer uh, in TOS episode uh, Way to Eden. Uh, she was also in the Doomsday Machine. Uh, she also played the voice of the companion in Metamorphosis. So a few different connections to Star Trek uh, for Elizabeth Rogers. So happy birthday to her. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday uh, and sending out our remembrances to Liam Sullivan, who played the character of Parman in the TOS episode Plato's Stepchildren. Uh, you'd recognize him by his gold leaves on his head. <laughs> uh, great character. Um, so happy birthday, Liam. And finally, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the big one for this week, um, we, of course, we remember everybody equally, but then some characters just sort of hit you. And this character in particular is one that I've spent some time with uh, over the years. 
love the way that he portrayed Commander Tomalak uh, from many, many episodes, TNG's episode, The Defector, The Enemy, Future Imperfect, All Good Things. Um, and then he was also in Enterprise. Uh, he played the character of Drenik in The Cogenitor. Uh, we're, of course, talking about Andreas Katsulas, um, one of the like quintessential Romulans, I think. When I think Romulans, I think like Romulan commander, I think uh, female Romulan commander slash Liviana, and I think Tomalak. They're just the top three that come to my mind. So uh, Andreas Katsulas, fantastic portrayal of that character, uh, and we do miss you. Um, so that's everyone uh, that I have on my list who is a real person who would have had a birthday this week uh, who we no longer have with us. Uh, but before we go on to Charles, I'm going to honor one fictional character whose birthday is today or will be today. And one of my favorite captains, Captain Catherine Janeway, will be born today, May 20th, in the year 2336. So, uh, you know, I won't be around, but uh, hopefully I have some ancestors that uh, get to meet <laughs> Captain Catherine Janeway or her equivalent real person in the future. Charles, who's on your list this week? Well, we have to take our first commercial break of the evening, guys. So listen, run, don't walk to the bathroom. Uh, Hurry on back. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this very quick message. Um, I get to do the message live tonight because I'm not prepared, didn't have a chance to do it, and I don't have any information. So I'm going to (laughs) read off of a card. Part of our agreement with uh, Creation Entertainment to be at the 55-year mission Las Vegas is that we have to promote their their convention on this podcast. And since they didn't send me any promotional stuff, I'm just going to read off of what they have, and then we're going to jump right back to the show. So the 55-year mission, Las Vegas, saluting the 55th anniversary of Star Trek, will be held August 11th to the 15th, 2021, at the Rio Suites Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. 100-plus guest celebrities are scheduled to appear There will be panels and presentations. There'll be a large vendor area, trivia contests, special evening events, a no minimum bid auction, a costume competition, and many more surprises. To get your tickets and more information, please go to www.creation.com and uh, sign on. And while you're there, go down to the dealer's room. We're going to be there. You can meet the Leslie Hoffman and, of course, Uncle Jim himself. I won't be waving my batlet around because you can't bring it on the plane, unfortunately, but I'll be there and you can come over. You can say hello. You can meet Leslie. You can meet me and uh, introduce yourself. We'd love to meet you. So um, without any further ado, uh, we do have a caller on the line. So let's see, let's see if I can get this thing to work. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon, and I'm calling from Kentucky. How you doing, Shannon? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) Great to have you. (laughs) Another one of our co-hosts. We always have a chair at the captain's table for Shannon. So, uh, thanks for, for, I was just going to say thanks for pinch hitting for me uh, a couple weeks ago when I couldn't make it. That was awesome. (laughs) Well, and I didn't even know. I just called up because I'm like, I I figured occasionally you need a girl on the show. We do when always Les need a girl there. on the show. That is the that is the case. Yeah, if you came to every mm-hmm. show, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, speaking of coming to shows, Shannon, are you going to be at the 55 year convention in Las Vegas this year? 
No. No. Uh-oh. No, I've been five years in a row, but no, not this year. Not this year? Oh, okay. Well, that's too bad. Okay. Well, so, yeah. anyways. It's the same day my kids' school starts school this year. I can't do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So, uh, Charles, well, let's finish actually, up our. Go ahead. I'm going to add a couple of things to your commercial we can add later. But mm-hmm. in this year's celebration, we also get to celebrate. William Shatner's 90th birthday, and what would have been Gene Roddenberry's 100th birthday. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's wow. wild. It is. It's going to be fun. I'm uh, looking forward to... Uh, it's going to be a fun convention. I'm okay. looking forward to meeting Charles myself. I mean, I've been talking to Charles on the radio for years, and, and he could be standing right next to me, and I wouldn't even know. So it's going to be great to meet Charles. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I'm I'm really excited about it. So, Charles, Yay. who do we have on our birthday list who's still with us? Well, let's start off with Diane Duane, who is a co-writer of TNG's Where No One's Gone Before. But I was like, okay, why are we just doing somebody who co-wrote? Because Diane's also, also an author of over a You know, what would what would the show be without Uncle Jim and his stories, right? Someone's got to listen to them because the wife gets sick of them, so you guys get to hear them. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so Jane Whelan is a huge Star Trek fan. She grew up watching Star Trek, and she loved Mr. Spock as an eight-year-old child. And uh, she, mm-hmm. she met, ran into Leonard Nimoy. I don't know where, how, or when, but at some point in time, she ran into Leonard Nimoy and she told Leonard Nimoy how Spock influenced her and how she loved Star Trek growing up and the whole story. And Leonard Nimoy said, how would you like to be in Star Trek four? And she, she was like, I, I, I would love to be in Star Trek four. And so when you're watching the scene in Star Trek four, where the Federation headquarters is being overrun and the rains coming through the walls and everything else, Mm-hmm. Up on one of the screens off to the right, you will see her as as uh, as Trillia uh, giving the the conditions of, of Starfleet. So and so is underwater or whatever she's talking about. And that's her. And oh. she said that it was a great wow. pleasure and an honor to be in a movie and be directed by Leonard Nimoy. And it's one of her favorite memories. Oh, no. And so. Uh, I just wanted to share that with you guys, one of my little stories. So, okay, I'm sorry I interrupted. And uh, oh, don't worry, I love the story. It's your show. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good story. Uh, <laughs> all right, Charles, I'm, Naomi, I won't interrupt. I won't interrupt anymore. No, no. <laughs> Naomi Polak played Lieutenant Rock Rand in TOS episode That Which Survived. Gina 
Brasilia played Ensign Tyler in TNG Phantasm. Eva Brenner played Inda in TNG's Violation and played Karima Morell in Voyager's Remember. And the last one on my list is Gail Strickland, who played Alexis in DS9 Paradox. I got a short list this week, and so does Jim. So, Jim, finish this off. Yeah, I have a short list here. Um, not, not a lot, but some good ones. Let's start out with saying a happy birthday to Jennifer Nash. And you're thinking, Jennifer Nash? Huh. Jennifer Nash was in an episode that a lot of fans consider to be the, the yeah. best episode of TNG. And I'm talking about Inner Light. She played Maribar, Captain uh-huh. Picard's wife. Well, um, oh. uh Future wife, kind of wife. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want to call it. But the wife anyway, on that planet. Yes. Right. He, yeah. he, Captain Picard was married to her in this past life. And so happy birthday to Jennifer Nash. We also want to say happy birthday to Eric Holland, who played Ekor in the TOS episode, Wink of an Eye. Pretty interesting episode. Um, we want to also say happy birthday. Here's another one of those evil evil admirals that we talk about so often. They just fall out of the woodwork. And here's one right here. (laughs) Anthony Zerbe, who played Admiral Doherty in Star Trek Insurrection. Ooh. He got his Uh. face stretched. (laughs) Bad guy. Bad guy. By the time he decided what he was doing was wrong, it was too late because they stretched his face. (laughs) So happy birthday to Anthony Zerbe. Had to learn the hard way. Yeah, but it, yeah. by the time he learned, it was too late. Uh, we also <laughs> want to say happy birthday to Bio Watson, who played May Ahern in Star Trek Discovery. She was the uh, incarnation of the spores that Tilly was mm-hmm. seeing uh, that helped to bring back oh, Dr. Cool. Colbert. Yeah. So happy birthday. Yeah. And, I like yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, she was she pretty was, cool. She was a really great character. Yeah. And she's also a prominent character on another one of my favorite shows, The Expanse. So, yeah, she, she um, spoiler alert, she assassinates somebody important. Oh, no. Oh, oh no, I spoiled it. And we're kind of kill somebody on Expanse. Yep. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, also say that even though Discovery jumped way into the future, we could see her mm-hmm. again because the spores are still around, and she is the spores. So there's always a possibility that Tilly could get another visit from her um, in mm-hmm. Sporeland. Who knows? I'm just throwing that out there. And the last mm-hmm. birthday that we have to talk about here is a very interesting one. I, I couldn't name all of the shows that, that, that this guy has been on. But because we're talking Star Trek, we're talking about Dr. Flox on Star Trek Enterprise, John Billingsley himself. Um, I know him from True Blood. My wife loved True Blood, and he was the coroner on True Blood who turned into a vampire. Um, A funny vampire, but a vampire. Um, And you, you see this guy popping up all over the place. He's been in so many things. Um, He was on the Orville. Yes, he is. 
Yep. So yeah, he's been all over the yeah, place. Yeah, he was though. on. I mean, he's like he goes way back. I mean, he was on like Twin Peaks and um, oh, yeah. like, I don't know a bunch of shows from back in the day. So yeah, he's he's one of those guys. I think he was on um, he was on some cop shows for a while too, like NCIS or something. So he's he's made the rounds. Yeah, he's been on a lot. Tell me so. he was on. Tell me he was on All Rise this year, and I missed that. I'm gonna have to go back and see where he was. Oh, yeah. No, I. The lawyer, uh, the lawyer show that's on right now. <laughs> yep. I, was he on Stargate? Maybe. I'm, I'm scrolling uh, through. Probably. I think. Uh, so. I don't know. Maybe he was. I know for sure he was in uh, one. Of, I think. Oh yeah. Oh, he was in the. Um, he was in the SG one, the one with the other guy with. Uh, yeah. With. Uh, uh, <laughs> MacGyver. MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> But he was also on one of your favorite shows. Uh, Don't you love Six Feet Under, Jim? Isn't that one of those shows that you like? Or was that not one? I can't remember. No, I. I he's okay. been in a lot. Okay. Let's, 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 we'll just leave it at that. He's so happy oh birthday God. to John Billingsley. And with that, it's time for our Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. And this week, this story is hot off the presses, as in a few hours before showtime. And so I had to stick it in there, and I had to give it to Charles, because this is right up Charles's alley, and I try to give the story... Yep to the people that I think would be most excited about them. And as soon as I saw this one, I said, this one's got to go to Charles. So Charles is going to start off our news with our very first story. Yeah, I can't remember if I saw this yesterday. But I saw this and it's like, oh, wow, Comic Corner, this is going to continue on. And Comic Corner is going to get better. We thought we thought with uh, year four, things got good. Things are going to get even more interesting when we're done with year four. Year four. IDW launches Star Trek: The Mirror War, year-long comic series. The classic Star Trek episode Mirror Mirror introduces the mirror universe and the Terran Empire and various such shows revisit this dark, dangerous place in the decades of sex. However, we never saw Star Trek The Next Generation take until IDW's Broken Mirror in 2017. At the beginning on Star Trek Day, September 8th, the Star Trek, Star Trek comic Comic publisher returns with a new series. The Mirror War begins with uh, brings back the, uh, Scott and David Tipton, who penned us IDW's three previous Mirror Universe miniseries. We're absolutely thrilled to return to the Mirror Universe, said Scott Tipton. What's in store for our Mirror, our mirror John Luke and his Enterprise crew? New faces, new places, and old grudges. Picard's ambitions are greater than ever, and nothing short of the throne itself will satisfy him. 
The series will kick off a monthly in early August with a special Star Trek Mirror War Zero issue illustrated by Carlos Nito. This Zero issue features a new story of the nerd Picard as he summons the Earth to face the Rathi Empire. Starting issue one, J.K. Woodard will be providing cover art for every issue. And what I've read in this series, it will be about eight issues in the series. The reason it's going for a month or for a year is in between some of the uh, some of the issues, we will get character issues. Where they're going to focus on one of the characters of the series. I think Data's going to come back and do another, going to be a fun series. I cannot wait mm-hmm. for this one to come through. I even keep pushing with, they keep pushing more and more great comic book series. It's like we're going to go back to Mirror Universe again. Oh, we had so much fun with those Mirror Universe books. I can't wait to go back at it again. And who's doing our covers, Charles? Read them. What? Yeah. And who's doing our covers for for this new series? J.K. is doing our covers. That's right. He's already promoting it, too. Can't wait to see what he comes up with. So that's good yeah, because Comic Corner has kind of been in a lull right now uh, because there hasn't been any books. I think I picked up one from TJ. So we're still waiting for some more books uh, so that we can do it. Came out. So yeah, maybe, now, but yeah. yeah, we might be doing another Comic Corner next month. Uh, so anyways, we'll keep you guys in the loop, of course. So, uh, yeah. So the, I don't so much to talk about Michelle Yeoh. Oh my God! Yes, I love when when she kicks. <laughs> I'm telling you, when she kicks, the, <laughs> the kick. when she it kicks Lorca kick. in the face, <laughs> and he's standing behind her. Oh my God! Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It, really it still is. blows my mind even today, even yeah. three years later. I love Michelle Yeoh. I think she's a fabulous actress. I love her so much. I think we're so fortunate mm-hmm. to have her as in our Star Trek family. And I was so happy with her redemption arc of, of Emperor Giorgio. I thought she played a great Philippa Giorgio. And to watch mm-hmm. her turn the corner as the Emperor was just was one of the highlights of Discovery Season 3. And, of course, I have a story here about her. Uh, Michelle Yeoh says, Star Trek producers have more in store for Emperor Giorgio. And um, again, all the stories that we're talking about, you can read them in their entirety on our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. I just kind of pull out some of the important facts to wet your whistle. Uh, You can go read the articles in their entirety. So Michelle Yeoh was a guest on the pod directive, the official Star Trek podcast. When asked by co-host Paul F. Tompkins, what happens next for Giorgio after going through the Guardian of Forever, Carl the actress talked at length about Giorgio's journey. Yo said, now I got to blow up my Kindle because I can't read it. Um, we all know that the portal, <laughs> it's tough to get old, guys. We all know that the portal uh, uh, is to weigh you and really it is to see if you deserve a second chance. 
And I think in life, that's what we all hope, that if we do something wrong, do something bad, we hope there is a redemption and we will be given a second chance to redeem ourselves. I think that has always been the most interesting part for me, for Giorgio. And for Giorgio was learning to understand that you can't keep killing to stay on top. One day there will be no more people left to kill. And when COVID (laughs) turned around and said to Emperor Giorgio, you know, the Terrans have not been heard from in at least 500 years, that's just to say you have wiped yourselves out. And I think that's when Giorgio heard and understood and felt that only way to go around about that rule with peace and compassion. When she came at it, when she came out of it, okay. You think that you have failed, but you actually haven't because you did try to make a difference. Yo got to Giorgio's actual exit from Discovery in Terra Firma Part 2, where she revealed it wasn't a final goodbye for her or the Star Trek producers. I think when she went through the portal the second time, for me, it's like saying goodbye until we meet again, because this is Star Trek. Who knows? One day, Emperor Giorgio is going to find out that Michael Burnham is like in dire straits or the other way around, and something has to be done. I don't know, but I'm just putting it out there. Carl has said to her, you have another journey to undertake. And it's so obviously you have more things to do. It's not going to be a smooth ride. It will be bumpy. It will be full of heartaches. It will be full of pain. But I think it's true. That is life. So I think there are so much more possibilities for Giorgio. And I know the executive producers and showrunners and writers have a lot more things in store for such an amazing character. So according to you, there are still plans for her to return to Star Trek, although what that return looks like is still completely a mystery. One thing not mentioned at all during the discussion was Section 31, the organization Giorgio joined after crossing over from the Mirror Universe. The Section 31 show was supposed to be the next live-action Star Trek series to arrive after Picard and was originally planned to go into production in 2020 after the third season of Discovery Wrapped. Executive producer Alex Kurtman assigned Bo Young Kim and Erica Lipholt as showrunners in 2019. And last summer, he was tying the work that they were doing and that writer Craig Sweeney were doing for the series. While the pandemic shut things down for the film and television for much of 2020, there are now three live-action Star Trek shows in production, including what will be the next series set to debut on Paramount Plus, Strange New Worlds. Section 31 Project was not mentioned during the February Paramount Plus Investment Day, although Alex Kurtzman and Paramount Plus executive Julie McNamara confirmed with Variety there are still conversations about the Yo-led series. And just a little, just a little something to throw in there. Um, yeah, um, um, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, uh, See, I'm so old and senile. Um, <laughs> Ash, Tyler, Ash Tyler. Uh, he did a little, little, little sentence that really wasn't worth mentioning here, but he did say that there were rumblings going on about him coming back and the Section 31 series going into production. Just little rumblings. Uh, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing, you know, in stone, but just little rumblings. So I, I think that Section 31, uh, if that's indeed what it's going to be called, isn't necessarily dead, but I think it's gonna, if, if we see it, I think it's going to be a little while longer until we do. So. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I Worlds really kind of pushed it out of the way there, didn't it? I, I feel like they were kind of set yeah. to go with it, and then they, they sort of read the playing field and, you know, listened to what the fans were saying at that time. And I think some people maybe thought, well, maybe people don't want Section 31 right now. Maybe what they want is they want something that's not so dark and spy-ish, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want something that's right. a little more, as they say in the promos, optimistic. We want happy stuff, not, yeah. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, something different. So, so who, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, but this was actually a great interview that she gave. Uh, it was on the official Star Trek podcast, and Michelle Yeoh does not give very many interviews. Um, so, you know, although I don't make a habit of promoting other podcasts on our show, this one, this particular episode of the Pod Directive, I definitely go and listen to it because uh, if you want to get kind of Michelle from the horse's mouth, uh, it's a fantastic uh, listen. Yeah, Michelle's awesome. And Charles, you've you got our, our next story here. It's, it's kind of a, a short one, but a fun one. Well, this one's interesting. Carl Urban and Sinitra Martin Green are in Starfleet Command. Game promo. Said executive Alex Curtin said the line between television and the movies is now gone, and we can now see the Star Trek universe colliding. From a promoted video game, the multiplayer, real-time strategy, and role-playing mobile game Starfleet Star Trek Fleet Command launches three years ago with a Star Trek Kelvin universe setting. And in the, 20, in the 2020, it expanded to include the Prime Universe as well. Carl Urban, who plays Dr. Leonard McCoy in the three J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, joins Star Trek Discovery's star Shaniko Martin Green in a series of promo spots promotes Star Fleet Command. We command. The lighthearted promos show off featured in the game while the two trash talk their opponent's gameplay and ships. If you want to check out Fleet Command, it is available for download free at the Apple Store and Google Play. I bet Jim might have some sound bites. Yeah, these commercials are kind of funny. I kind of like them. So um, this is the first one. Um, it's just called Mushrooms. Ah, Sonequa is always trying to one-up me. Bring her up. Hey, Carl. New ship. Belonged to a feared Klingon captain before I retired him. She can do zero to warp ten in 58 milliseconds. Oh, so impressive. Discovery can travel anywhere instantly with our score drive. Oh, come on, give me a break. Your ship is powered by mushrooms? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear your comeback over the screech of your outdated thrusters. Mine are state-of-the-art. Handy for when you run away from battle, which I hear you do a lot of. Computer sent a reminder to Ray Carl's base this afternoon. Now, let's dance. Well, first you have to find me. Did I mention this ship has a cloaking device? Did I mention my ship's anti-cloaking defenses? Oh, Carl, you didn't upgrade to anti-anti-cloaking? Oh, come on. That's not a thing. Is that a thing? It's a thing. It is a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> I just I love Carl Urban. Um, I met him at Trek Conoroga a couple years ago. 
great guy, and I, I love his portrayal of uh, McCoy. Anyways, I uh, got one more, and I saved the best one for last. This one I think was was funnier than the mushroom one. Ah, Sonequa Martin Green. Carl, why are you talking like a Klingon wannabe? You thought you could attack my territory and just get off scot-free? I've scoured the galaxy to track you down. At my house, where I live. Look outside your window. Oh, Sonequa, I'm going to make the Borg seem compassionate by comparison. Cool story. You might want to look out your window now. Did I mention I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your Fire at will. Wait, that's an equal, just an equal. He's dead, Jeff. Hey, that's my line. I love that because when I met Carl Urban, I had him sign that on my picture, he's dead, Jim. And uh, he signed it, he's dead, Jim. And then he put dot, 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 not, which I thought was funny. Anyways, that's Starfleet Command. And uh, Eric, you've got our next story. Well, this is a good talking point that uh, I think is an important one. Uh, I've got my opinions, and I'm sure you've got yours. Star Trek producer believes the franchise isn't oversaturated just yet. Star Trek has seen a resurgence in the number of properties produced over the last few years, from Discovery to Picard, and then there's Lower Decks, Short Treks, the upcoming Prodigy, and Strange New World series, and a few others in the pipeline, like the long-rumored Section 31 we were just talking about. With four shows already out, two more on the way, as well as new film series in development, and countless other properties uh, in the works or being uh, discussed, it's easy to say that Star Trek is uh, reaching peak saturation. It's part of the reason why no new series will be made until one of the current ones is concluded. Enter Akiva Goldsman who spoke with Hollywood Reporter on a variety of topics, including how much is too much for Star Trek. Quote, I can't speak for CBS. Look, we all do the same thing, which is to look at the example that really works. Like, you cannot have enough Marvel shows. I'm waiting for Falcon and the Winter Soldier tomorrow, and I watched the Loki trailer 19,000 times. (laughs) So with that as the example, you can never have enough Star Trek shows. But we've all seen the other side where it doesn't work. Star Trek has that heart space for some people, especially now after the world was revealed for being worse than we thought it was. Uh, I'm a big believer in hard-won happy endings. It doesn't mean it's not hard getting there, but just going to choose to believe that there can be good outcomes. You can only saturate the market so much with anything before it dries up completely. Eventually, fans are going to tire of it and walk away. It happened with The Walking Dead. It happened with the Arrowverse. That's why shows like Strange New Worlds have to hit like they do because you're not just catering to the established fans, but potential new ones. And, uh, you know, I, I think my opinion on this is that, you know, I don't feel oversaturated right now, but I also believe that it is healthy for everything to have a cycle, right? Have a beginning, have a natural life cycle, have an end. And hopefully when it comes to Star Trek shows, you get a really cool, arc throughout the show, particularly these days um, with their serial storytelling. So, you know, I don't, I don't think any show wants to overstay its welcome, 
Uh, I'm not feeling oversaturated, and I really like the fact that they are catering to somewhat different audiences right now uh, with the shows that they have. Um, so if they keep the variety, I think that'll be good. Uh, you know, people actually had the same conversation, I don't know if you remember or not, back in the day, uh, when they had, uh, you know, multiple shows running uh, in the 90s together, uh, in the 80s and 90s together. You know, they, they well, 90s, I guess, because right, TNG was the only yeah. in the 80s. But yeah, they, people were like, oh my gosh, there's so much Star Trek. And those shows, in some ways, were much more similar than the shows that we now have running simultaneously with one another. So I'm personally okay with it, but it is important for these things to be born, live, and eventually die an honorable death, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. And we got to take another yep. quick commercial break here, guys. And uh, so that means that we're going to talk about the Star Trek 55-year mission in Las Vegas, saluting the 55th anniversary of Star Trek, being held August 11th through the 15th, 2021, at the Rio Suites Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, there's over 100 guest celebrities. Well, 101 because Leslie Hoffman's going to be there. 102 if you include me, Uncle Jim, from this podcast. We're going to be there as well, so... They're also going to have panels, presentations, a vendor area, trivia contest, special evening events. There's going to be a no minimum bid auction, a costume competition. I won't be there with my bat lift because I can't bring it on the plane. So, unfortunately, and many more surprises. For more information, please visit www.creation.com for your tickets and more information. And Eric, not Eric, Charles, what else is going to be going on? at the 55-year mission in Las Vegas. Well, let me, one thing, update your numbers. Let's try 116 and growing. And I still haven't found Leslie on the page yet. Well, I just sent sent her the... She'll she'll be there, because I I just sent her the bio that Eric wrote, and I just sent her the the picture, so... As it's on the bias start posting them. Yep, it'll but be there. There's and for those that never been there, there's not only the uh, constant run of panels in at least two or three different showrooms, not just regular stars, we've got scientists, we've got IDW who po- who have posts on there. Public, uh, sometimes awesome. publishers will comment, and each e- evening there's usually different parties that go on some of the evenings. There's sometimes Klingon karaoke that's going on in some years. All kinds of stuff going on. In years, I'm not sure what all's going to be compared to this year. We've done a costume contest. We used to all the different cosplays that people have done. It's an event for several days. So, it's worth going. I'm surprised. I won't get to make the whole, whole every day like I'd like to with everybody. But I will definitely try making our Thursday show definitely live there and probably the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I got work conflicts. I have work conflicts that will jump in there, but I still will be in there to help with as much as I can. 
So if you guys are going to be at the uh, Star Trek 55-year mission in Las Vegas, please uh, look for the Trek Talk in booth and Leslie Hoffman. She'll be there signing autographs at our booth. Stop by and say hello. We'd love to meet you. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. So Walter Koenig talks Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and an exclusive clip from In Search of Tomorrow documentary. And I put this in here because it's perfect, because we're going to be talking about Wrath of Khan in a a few minutes here. Uh, Here's another documentary Star Trek fans should be looking forward to, In Search of Tomorrow, which focuses on 1980s sci-fi cinema, a pivotal area in the genre for the Star Trek film franchise. And this clip from their documentary of Walter Koenig talking about how the particular acting styles of Ricardo Maltabon and William Shatner worked perfectly in the 1982 film Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which I just watched right before this podcast. It's fresh in my mind. In addition to Koenig, the, doc, the documentary is expected to include interviews with people related to Star Trek, including Nicholas Myers, Adam Nimoy, Will Wheaton, and other relevant artists and Trek spurts. Also included will be dozens of interviews with more icons of 80 sci-fi. Recently added to the list include Ivan Retman from Ghostbusters, Jesse Ventura from Predator and the Running Man, Peter Wella from Robocop and Buckaroo Banzai, John Dykstra from Star Wars, Star Trek, and Battlestar Galactica, Bruce Bachleiter from Tron, Adrian Barbeau from Escape from New York and Swamp Thing, and more. They describe this as a super doc, and they are taking a deep dive into 80s sci-fi cinema. I think one of the best, best times for sci-fi was the 80s. Of course, I grew up in that time and saw every one of these movies at the theater, so maybe I'm biased. But without any further ado, here's Walter talking about Shatner. I didn't recognize the significance of what we were doing and begin to create my own concept of what I was involved in. Star Trek, you know, is, uh, is my christening. Star Trek II was classic storytelling. Torpedo's ready, sir. And was done so well. Any suggestions, Admiral? Prayer, Savick. The Klingons don't take prisoners. And you had a wonderful actor, Ricardo Montalban, Khan. Yes, he was a little bit over the top. After Beatles, fire! But it called for that. It is very cold in space. And you know, Bill is no slouch when it comes to, you know, emoting. They were a, a great combination of forces, the unstoppable force and the immovable object. And that's what you want. You want that kind of friction. They were always at each other's throats. Fire! 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 It was terrific character building and terrific storytelling. I, I didn't think we could do better. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. I realized that Star Trek really is something more than just an entertainment. And I said, we are genuinely, in some small way, a part of history.
and uh, nuclear weapons. Nuclear Wessel. And Eric, you've got our final story of the evening, and then we're going to dive right into Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. I do. This is a good one. Uh, it was revealed a little while ago, but we're just now getting to it. Kate Mulgrew reveals Star Trek Prodigy setup and the introduction of Hologram Janeway. This is so cool. We're getting some more information all about this new show. Since the show was first announced two years ago, we have known that Prodigy would follow a motley crew of young aliens who find and commandeer a derelict Starfleet ship and use it to go off on adventures, quote, navigating a greater galaxy in search for a better future. Last month, it was revealed the kids would be helped along by an emergency training hologram in the form of Captain Janeway, voiced by Kate Mulgrew. Mulgrew has now revealed more about Prodigy, the setup, and her character's introduction. She says... But in Prodigy, this new animated series, five kids are incarcerated on an obscure planet in an uncharted part of the galaxy, and they escaped from their imprisonment and race across the planet to find a defunct starship buried in the sand of the planet's surface. They go in, and of course the prison guards are coming after them, and they can't get it, get it up, and the shields won't run, or the thing won't do, and suddenly somebody hits a button, and... Hologram startup sound. Hello, kids. <laughs> I see you're a little bit stuck here. Can I help you out? And it's Captain Janeway in a holographic form. While official descriptions from the show have previously described the prodigy alien crew as outcasts, this is the first time we learn that they start off as prisoners. This is also the first time we have learned about how they find the starship, uh, the, uh, the Starfleet ship, and how they meet the hologram Janeway. It may not be significant, but Mulgrew mentions five kids start incarcerated with the official crew images show six characters. That's right. One may not be a prisoner. So that's pretty cool. We have gotten some juicy, juicy details on the new show that I am super excited for. Even though it's made for kids, I'm going to watch. Don't care. <laughs> no, nope, me neither. I was a big kid. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Well, I know a lot of people don't like Lower Decks, um, and and you know, that's fine. But um, I'm, I'm going to. I watch. I I was reading some guy's post on one of the Star Trek boards I go to, and he refuses to watch uh, anything that he refers to as New Trek. He just won't watch it. Well, I watch everything. If it has Star Trek on it, I watch it. And uh, you know, how do I know if I like it? Or don't like it if I don't watch it. I have to give it a chance. So I watch everything. Everything with Star Trek, I watch. And then I'll decide if I like it or don't. So I'll watch it. I'll watch it. And we're going to talk about it on this show, too. So I definitely will be watching it. So now, guys, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. And you heard him at the top of the hour. And he's back. Yes, he is. We're going to be talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And in case you guys never saw the movie, um, I'm going to play the trailer for you guys, and we're going to give a little bit of facts about the movie, and we're going to dive right in. So remember, our number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call and share your thoughts about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. We'll get you on the air. And here it is, The Wrath of Khan. Um, There we go.
Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. Chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, marooned for all eternity, buried alive, buried alive. Charm! Charm! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. So Star Trek theater near you, June fourth. Yeah, that's right. He beat me to it. Star, he beat me. Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan opened on June fourth, as the guy said, in 1982. It made 14 million dollars in its opening weekend. At the time, the largest opening weekend gross in history. Um, it went on to earn 78 million in the U.S., becoming the sixth highest grossing film of 1982. Not too shabby considering all the great films. They came out in 82. Although the total gross of the Wrath of Khan was less than that of Star Trek The Motion Picture, it was more profitable due to its much lower production cost. That always seems to be the thing. They lower the budgets so they can make more money. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan was a box office success, earning $97 million U.S. dollars worldwide and setting a world record for its first day box office gross. Critical reaction to the film was positive, and um, what what happened to my? There it goes. We're positive. Uh, reviewers highlighted Khan's character, the film's pacing, and the character interactions as strong elements. The Wrath of Khan is considered by many to be the best film in the Star Trek series, and is often credited with renewing substantial interests in the franchise. We're going to talk about that a little bit later too. See what our fans thought about it. Did they agree? You'll have to hang out and find out. Khan Noonien Singh, played by Ricardo Maltoban, is a character who first appeared in the 1967 Star Trek episode Space Seed. When Khan escapes from a 15-year exile to exact revenge on Kirk, the crew and the Enterprise must stop him from acquiring a powerful terraforming device called Genesis. The film is the beginning of a three-film story arc that continues with the film Star Trek III The Search for Spock in 1984 and concludes with the film Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, in 1986. 
After the lackluster critical response of the first film, series creator Gene Roddenberry was forced out of the sequel's production. Executive producer Harve Bennett wrote the film's original outline, and Nicholas Myers completed its final script in just 12 days. Myers' approach evoked the swashbuckling atmosphere of the original series, a theme reinforced by James Horner's musical score. Leonard Nimoy had not intended to have a role in the sequel, but was enticed back on the promise that his character would be given a dramatic death scene. The film's novelization, written by Vonda and McIntyre, stayed on the New York Times paperback best-selling list for more than three weeks. Unlike the previous film, The Wrath of Khan was not promoted with a toy line, although Playmates Toys created Khan and Savick figures in the 1990s, and in 2007, Art Asylum crafted a full series of action figures to mark the film's 25th anniversary. In 2009, IDW Publishing released a comic adaptation of the film, and a film score monthly released an expanded film score. Critical response was positive. Review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes reported that critics gave the film a positive review, recording an average score of 8.2 out of 10. I'm curious to see how our Facebook fans rated it, if they're right in that area or where they fall. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan? Oh, well, overall, let's see. I I just uh, lost my window here, so I'm getting back to where we are on the notes, guys. Sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, I uh, Here we go. Uh, here we go. Okay. A scale of 1 to 10. Yes, sorry about that. <laughs> Sometimes technical difficulties happen on live. It's live. So that's, that's we are live. Fan. That's right. <laughs> well, top fan Charles Walter Bostick said 8 and Spacey is a favorite episode. Wrath of Khan is a favorite movie. Ricardo Montalban was supreme. Uh, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, pretty good review mm-hmm. there. Top fan Joseph Mishish says a ten. It encompassed everything that is Star Trek. Top fan Ross Van Lone said, "I can only give it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my favorite, Ross. Thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, top fan Dan Parsons, guess what? Ten was the best script, graphics, acting of all old Trek films, and Khan is, in my view, the anti-Kirk. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Top fan Jason Chappell says, even the title sequence and the musical score throughout the film alone is a ten. Ten plus plus. Ah, I agree with you, Jason. Richard Zindar says, ah, six. It's not my favorite. Too many young actors portraying Khan's followers don't care for the yelling of Khan's name by Kirk. Some other minor things. TMP will always be my 10. Ken Dobson gave it a 9.5 brilliant script, beaten only by first contact by Whisker. Anand Apadayaya says a 9. It's great in every way a movie needs to be. Story, script, themes, execution, direction, acting, effects, editing, score, timeless film. Wow. Only reason it's not a, only reason it's not a 10 is I think they could have diversified the world of Star Trek a little more by 1982, but otherwise, a perfect film. I could not disagree with that sentiment right there. Uh, Michael Ramsey says 9 out of 10. Not a fan of the earworms, but apart from that, <laughs> one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. <laughs> I also agree with that. <laughs> huh? Tracy Kuntz 
a 10 because the director gave the correct feel to the movie of the starships. They're supposedly larger than a present-day aircraft carrier and shouldn't turn on a dime or zip about. They had the feel of a classic duel between two submarines or battleships like Silent Running or Hunt for Red October. I lent it further air of believability to the whole film. So uh, Tracy gave it a 10. And overall, that averages out our fan scores for Wrath of Khan to, you heard it, a 9.6. That's, that's pretty high. I actually think that's the highest uh, of anything that we've reviewed that I can think of. Uh, so, yeah, it's right up there. Lots and lots of tens in that list. Yeah. Yeah, there are. So who wants to go first? Do we want ladies to go first? Shannon? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shannon. Okay. Um, actually, I love the movie. Um, I, I'm going to go with a 9.5. Yes, but the earworm thing, I still can't see that because, like, I took my kid a couple years ago on the anniversary, and I had to put, like, the popcorn in front of me. And my kid's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't watch this part. Can't watch this part. Still can't watch it. I don't blame you. But it was great. Yeah. But also there's books that go with it, which explains all of it. And it makes Khan, he's never sympathetic, but he's more understandable in the book. Because he's always the bad guy. Right. Yeah. So right. he's a great bad guy. <laughs> he he is a great bad guy. And Leslie Hoffman has worked with him before. And, and if you've ever listened to Stunt Tracks, Leslie has some great mm-hmm. stories about working with Ricardo Montalban. She said he was a gentleman all the way right, right across the board. Um, so, Aww. yeah, Leslie had some great stories. And we have a caller on the line, guys. Let me see if I can get this thing to work through my Kindle. I'm having some technical difficulties. I think I got it. <laughs> I think I got it. Uh, hello. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's uh, Nate from sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Nate. <laughs> Nate. Are you going to be Are you going to be hey, at the Star Trek Nate. Las Vegas convention? Uh, well, since you're going, uh, I, I, I might uh, I might go ahead and spend three hundred and thirty dollars to get in now. Well, I am a, I am a big attraction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, that we have a, a nice, a, a private uh, scout there to show us around Las Vegas while we're there. I'm hoping Charles can uh, show us the best places well, to hang out, the best places to eat, maybe take in an well, attack wing if, game if or two Charles while we're there. If can't do it, I, I suppose I could step up. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so have you ever seen this movie called Wrath of Khan? Yes, I've seen it. Uh, Did Shannon finish talking about her piece on it first? (laughs) Yes, I was finished. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, It is two and six are my two favorite uh, movies, Uh, and I I really couldn't tell you which one I like better, but I know that they're both my favorite uh, movies of the classic ones. And. Let me see. Oddly enough, let me find it. Where did I put it? Where did, there it is. So last week we talked about Star Trek 60 on Discovered Country, and our fans scored it 9.2, and yeah. uh, they, they gave Wrath of Khan a 9.6. So as of right I now... I discussion about Undiscovered Country. I'm saddened now. 
Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so everybody's right there with you, Nate. Uh, they they have Wrath of Khan at the top, and just a hair underneath it, the Undiscovered Country. So fans are pretty pretty much with you on that one. Which All is right. cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, I got a little story to tell you guys because I always have stories. What would the show be without Uncle Jim's <laughs> stories? So, um, we'll see. When was the last time? I get confused with this COVID crap. The last time I was at Trek Conderoga, uh, Walter was there. And Walter told us a story about Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan that maybe you guys have heard. Maybe he's told you before, but I'm going to tell you again. And it was about the earworm. And uh, he said they took a cast of his ear. They had him come in and they took a mold of his ear. And they tried to film the worm crawling out of his ear. And they couldn't, it didn't didn't look right. They couldn't get it right. The worm fell. It just, it didn't look, they didn't like it. So what they did was they took his ear and made a giant, humongous three foot ear of Walter's (laughs) and had this giant puppet eel that slithered out of his ear and fell on the ground. And then, of course, if you notice when Captain Kirk shoots the thing, it's supposed to be this tiny little half-inch thing, but when the phaser hits it, 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 you know, the, the, it looks huge. And that's because it mm-hmm. was. It was a gigantic wiggling worm on the floor that fell out of a gigantic uh, plaster cast of Walter's ear. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I, mean, I never heard that story before um, until he told it. So that there is a somewhere out in Hollywood is a giant three foot ear that belongs to Walter. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the things you learn on this podcast, huh? Highly educational. <laughs> so uh, before we have to cut to another quick break here. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of my thoughts on the movie because I just watched it. The first thing I noticed about the movie was that I felt that the the, the music very much reminded me um, when they go on Space Lab Regular One in particular, it reminded me of Alien and Aliens. It had that creepy alien sound and the way they shot it, they're creeping around the space station and the rat creeps up on McCoy and they find the people hanging and the blood puddles all over the place. And, and it, it, it had a horror type feel, like something's going to jump out at me type of feel. And I really liked the, the way they were able to set the mood with the music. I think that one of our listeners had mentioned that. I think that um, James Horner did an excellent job with the music in this movie. Not as good as Star Trek The Motion Picture, which I feel is the best soundtrack, but it's right up there. It's definitely right up there. Um, Something else about the movie that I noticed is that Savick was emotional. Uh, She was crying at the funeral. Um, when, When Kirk punches the glass, she jumps. And if I remember correctly, my old brain I haven't gotten to rereading the book yet of The Wrath of Khan. I just finished a motion picture. I'm trying to read all the books in order. I, I seem to remember that Savick was actually half Romulan. For some reason, that sticks in my mind. Yeah, um, yeah that was in the original script, Jim. But yeah. then they, they uh, fell away from that. Right. I think she was 
half Romulan, which would explain the emotional uh, stuff that she shows. Um, but I, when I reread the book, I'll I'll know for sure. So I did notice well, that the last Savage, time Robin Curtis was at the con, uh, the last time I went two years ago, uh, she had when she came up on stage uh, in uh, the monster maroon uniform. She uh, she was mentioning. Uh, uh, talking about that and, and saying, oh, you guys all know that I actually have uh, Spock's love child, right? So, uh, and, and that sort of stuff. It was a pretty cool uh, panel that uh, when she came on, because I think it was her first time at a convention also. Yeah, one of the things, we're going to talk about Star Trek Three next week, but, but um, I thought that the, oh my God, we've got to take a break. Guys, we're talking about Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, we still have another half an hour to talk about it, so don't run away. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. We have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back. And our commercial break happens to be me talking about Star Trek, the 55-year mission in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, so Eric, Charles, uh, somebody want to add something uh, about the convention? Because I've read yeah. the same thing three times already. <laughs> Actually, well, I, will, I will jump. In. I will jump in and say I did make a mistake in the last commercial. Guest star number one hundred fifteen, the lovely Hoffman. Aha! Mm-hmm. He is officially on the guest list. Yeah, so they got they got my information. Excellent. And a nice little bio that was written up by the awesome Eric. So that's cool. This is kind of a team thing that we got going on here. So uh, the 55-year mission in Las Vegas is saluting the 55th anniversary of Star Trek. It's being held on August 11th to 15th, 2021 at the Rio Suites Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well over 100 guest celebrities, including the Leslie Hoffman and Uncle Jim, will be in attendance. Panels and presentations, a large vendors area, trivia contests, special evening events, a no minimum bid auction, costume competition, and surprises. You can get more information at www.creation.com. It sounds like it's going to be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to attending it. If you guys would like to see Trek Talking actually make it there. Uh, we're the official podcast of the convention. We're going to be on all their advertising um, things. We have to talk about their convention as we're doing right now on our podcast. We're going to have somebody from uh, the 55-year mission on our podcast as, when the convention gets a little bit closer. So keep an eye out for that. But we're trying to get there, myself and Leslie Hoffman. And uh, my wife, Karen, we're trying to fly from Albany out to Las Vegas and, and stay at the hotel. But we need your help to make that happen. So right now we've raised enough money to get us as far as Wisconsin. So we're hanging out over Wisconsin right now somewhere, and which is about three-eighths of the way to Las Vegas. You can go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Just spell that all out, and you'll see a fundraiser there. You can also find us on GoFundMe. And please help us out in any way that you can, um, a dollar, you know, a dollar. We have over 50,000 followers. If, if people can just go and give a dollar, it's all it takes, a dollar and a dream. We have the dream. You have the dollar. Help us out. We really, really would appreciate it. And please stop by our table 
and say hello and get an autograph from the Leslie Hoffman. It'll be great. We are going to be broadcasting live from there every day, trying to capture the excitement in front of the convention. I look forward to speaking with as many fans as I can. So stop by the table and say hello. But first, we got to get there. So please help us out if you can. And if you can't, that's fine, too, because you can help us out by sharing our fundraiser on your page or on any Star Trek pages that you're aware of. Put it out as many places as you can think of, as many people as might be interested. You can help us in that way as well. So please do if you can. And uh, hopefully I'll see you at Star Trek Las Vegas, the 55-year mission. And that wraps up our final commercial break. Now back to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And we're back. So I just wanted to say that um, I do recall that Savick was half Romulan. It's in my brain for some reason. I do think, well, the love child thing we'll talk about next week when we talk about Star Trek Three. So we won't talk about that here. But a couple of things I, I wanted to mention. The uniforms and the director's cut and the TV cut. There are actually three versions of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. We have the theatrical version, which has been out since, you know, 1982. But when they put it on television, they put a bunch of extra scenes into the TV version. And it's, it's well, I don't want to say substantially different, but it's probably six minutes different anyways. Um, and that's because they took out the earworm scene because they thought it was too violent for television. So they put in some other scenes. Uh, one of them is is Savick, Kirk, and Spock climbing up the ladders when the turbo lifts aren't working and they're having a little conversation. There's another one which, um, if you guys have seen the movie as many times as me, you might notice that when Kirk says to to um, Chekhov, "Prepare the torpedoes," and he pulls out that little handle and says, "Torpedoes are ready." When they cut <laughs> to the exterior shot, the Enterprise is firing phasers. They fire mm-hmm. their phasers. Then they fire a torpedo. Then they fire some phasers. Then they fire a torpedo. And it's like, wait a minute. Kirk specifically said, fire torpedoes. Why are they firing phasers? Well, that's because in the version that's on television, there's actually another line and a whole other scene in there where Kirk orders a phaser strike to disable the Reliant. And they, they use the phasers to blow the warp engine off. And for some reason, they just they cut that line out of the movie but left the phaser strike in. I don't know why. But perhaps the biggest scene that they cut out of the movie, which is in the director's cut, is when Scotty's nephew, Peter Preston, is down in engineering, and he says to Captain Kirk something like, well, you're blind as a Tiberian bat if you can't see that this is the cleanest uh, engine room in all of Starfleet or something like that. And that's when Scotty says that, Peter Preston is his nephew. And mm-hmm. so of course, later on when he dies and he brings him to the bridge, you're like, why is he bringing this kid up here? And, and that's why. And why they cut that one little scene out, I, again, I'll never know. So there are a few little minor differences between the TV version, the original version, and the director's cut. One other thing I want to mention before I'll let Eric and Charles jump in is this. I think that Gene Roddenberry, what he did with Star Trek The Motion Picture, because Star Trek The Motion Picture was all Gene. And if you look at Star Trek The Motion Picture and you look at Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, it's a step backwards. They, they went from wrist communicators on their wrist that they talked into back to these big bulky flip things. 
They went from these little phasers back to the phaser guns. They went from the, the uniform with the bio communicator and the belt buckle thing to these maroon military uniforms. They changed the entire look of Star Trek changed in the flip of a dime from the motion picture to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, you know, for all the complaints that you hear about Star Trek, this was a major change. This, this was a big change. And if you look at the movies and then you look at the next generation, um, it seems like a natural transition from Star Trek, the motion picture into Star Trek, the next generation with all the TOS movies kind of jumbled in between where they took a step backwards. That's fine. I love Star Trek and I love the monster maroons, but I just wanted to throw that out there that the technology did seem to take a step backwards. Um, if you look at Kirk, when he flips open his communicator, it's this big silver thing, and, and it's just, you know, technology just kind of moved backwards. Um, fans didn't complain about that, though. Um, oddly enough, they didn't seem to mind. But it did take a step back from what was established in Star Trek, the motion picture. Overall, I, I love Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and I think I'm going to be right up there with, the, with our fans uh, with – Man, 9.2, I think. 9.25. Eric, how about you? Wow. Uh, we have limited time, but I will just say this is absolutely my favorite Star Trek movie, and I know you know everybody says that, but um, I think that one of our fans probably summed it up best. It was Anand Upadhyaya this week who said, it's great in every way a movie needs to be. Story, script, themes, execution, direction, acting, effects, editing, and score. Um, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, I think the music is really, really good in this movie. Like, like one of the best. I, 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 I think it's no uh, surprise that some of the best music that we've heard in Star Trek movies happen in this movie and in First Contact, which I think often get lined up as kind of, you know, people's two favorites. Um, the music in both is outstanding. This movie is outstanding for so many different reasons. Um, I'll just give you a, very, a small handful of my highlights. Um, first of all, the interactions between the characters and the jokes, just the little things that happen here and there. You can tell these people have been on a ship together for a very long time. And the friendship just between them, like every interaction that you get exudes familiarity, family, uh, just, I love it. Uh, you know, Bones can say whatever he wants. Uh, <laughs> Spock can say whatever he wants. It doesn't really matter. Um, so I just love the interaction. The, the, the Kirk Bones Spock thing in this movie in particular is amazing, which of course leads to probably one of the best scenes at the very end of the movie here um, where we lose Spock. Like that mm -hmm. scene to me is just the, the creme de la creme of, of Star Trek stuff. And the thing is, is like during the whole wait, wait, movie, that's a spoiler. you know, you just spoiled the whole well, movie yeah. without giving a spoiler <laughs> come on, alert. What, come on. It's 1982. Okay. It's 40 Stop years old. Stop listening right now. Go listen and come back. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like they, they actually allude to that moment throughout the whole movie. And if you've seen this movie dozens and dozens of times, like pretty much all of us on the, on the podcast right now have, have done, 
you know, you realize that they within the first like twelve minutes of the movie, Spock or excuse me, Kirk says something um that basically is the last is that famous line at the end of the movie about I will forever uh, be your friend, you know. Uh, so it foreshadows perfectly. Um I love the literary references. I mean, of course, you got the Herman Melville Tale of Two Cities. You got the, uh, or excuse me, the uh, Charles Dickens Tales of Two Cities. You got the Herman Melville um, uh, Moby Dick uh, references that you know Khan is constantly spitting out. And and the thing is, is like, yes, he's overly dramatic, but isn't that what this moment called for? <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that to me that that's the genius of this movie is is okay you take vaudeville actor um, uh, William Shatner who has been amazing throughout the whole series and you put him up against this guy who is his nemesis also by the way this is the only movie ever developed uh, as a sequel to an episode right so it, that was the yeah. I saw the movie yeah. long before I saw Space Seed. And I will tell you that the movie got me very much interested in what the backstory was. And they do a fair job in the movie of actually kind of giving you the backstory of, of Space mm-hmm. Seed in a, in a nutshell. Um, but just really good. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, I want to give Charles some time here, so I'll, just know, I'll literally scan through a couple of things. I love that he wears the black glove throughout the whole movie. It's very creepy. Why does he keep the black glove on? I don't know but his right hand is always clad in that awesome-looking black glove. I will say that, that the, the gloves that he's wearing there, I think, are one of my favorite costume choices. And, in fact, his whole getup is pretty awesome. But those gloves and the, the medallion that he wears around his chest, brilliant. Huh? Just, like, just brilliant. I love it. It's um, the Michael Jackson look. It was big in the 80s. It, <laughs> <laughs> and it looks so good. I mean, his chest is so big. It looks so good. <laughs> so, uh, the music we've talked about, uh, one of the best. Uh, the visuals, amazing. I want to know what the heck the Energizer is. They talk a lot about the Energizer on the ship. I assume it has something to do with power. Why they don't talk about the engine like they have in every single other Star Trek movie. They talk about the Energizer instead. Confuses me. Uh, well, and it's then a big bunny that's time. down in engineering, what? pounding on a drum, and if he stops yeah. pounding, they lose power. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true, yeah. Um, and then the last thing I guess that I'll, I'll tie up with uh, to give Charles just a little bit of time um, is to say that I think it's hilarious. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the last thing I was just talking about, my uh, how, how touching it is to me and how much it like emotionally means to me, and yet – it is funny when you watch it because um, Spock puts his hand on the glass and he's got the Vulcan sign mm. and Kirk touches the glass and everybody knows that William Shatner can't actually make the Vulcan sign. So he just, he just touches it. <laughs> he doesn't try and hear her. <laughs> what Shatner says, what? No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That was something that just kind of stood out at the very end of the movie. Charles, what did you think, buddy? Okay, well, I was pulling at some interesting facts throughout the movie that really caught my attention. And I'll try to go through them quick, as Jim will cut me off. Uh, no, no, you, you have 18 yeah, minutes, so I won't be cutting you off at all. Okay. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I was looking, I was searching the timeline and how things jumped. And I looked at the found out interesting details. 
2265 to 2270 was the era of COS. Star Trek 1 happened, the motion picture happened in 2273, and 2285 is Star Trek 2. Those gaps are definitely very interesting. Of course, we all know about the interesting canon controversy of the movie, which is anybody? Oh, um, geez, I don't know. The prefix code of the Reliant? No. <laughs> The checkoff was not actually aboard the ship during speed was the twenty second episode in season one. And Oh, he wasn't in season one. He doesn't actually come in till season two. It's true. There's a novel out there that claims that he was a security officer on the ship at that time and he's the one escorting Khan down and which is why Khan recognizes him. Ah, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, I did that makes total sense because he doesn't he doesn't join till season two. Yeah, wow. They, they yeah. kind of Walter said at a convention one time that he was uh, in in the bathroom when uh, when he was uh, when Khan was aboard. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember him at one of the conventions saying that. Well, they did. They did kind of. They 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 kind of sort of touched on that in the Kelvin movies, when uh, because in the, in in the darkness he's an engineer. He's wearing red, mm-hmm. so he's down in engineering, mm-hmm. which would have been when Khan takes over engineering. Would have been what when he sees him. So they kind of touched on that, you know, indirectly, in Star Trek Into Darkness. Although with the Kelvin timeline, it's it's a pseudo explanation as to why. Yeah. But I love uh, I love Savick's explanations as they go in, and how, but okay, we got Regulation Forty Six A. If a transmission were being monitored during battle, no uncoded message were to be transmitted on open channel, which I'm surprised they've never used since. But does anybody remember the line that Fox uses? To bypass, to follow that regulation. Well, he says something about not needing to quote regulations to the captain, right? No. By the book, hours would seem oh, like days. Right. right, that whole thing. It will thing. take yeah. two days to repair the ship. Meaning it would only take two hours, but that's how they encrypt their messages. Which I love that line. As Eric mentioned, the famous line from Moby Dick, which I never realized until I looked it up, that Khan dying line was a Moby Dick line. No, you can't get away from me from hell's heart. I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at you. Sounds almost Shakespearean, but nope, it's Moby Dick. 
The line's kind of a throwaway, it seems. But I love Fox and McCoy. Remember. Mm-hmm. That can help tie into the next movie. Yep. And while we see Fox Death, what do we hear in the background? Well, this is something that I, yeah, I know what we hear, and I want to talk about that. We hear Amazing Grace, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah, Scotty's playing the bagpipe. Who's playing it? Scotty. Yeah. Who's playing the bagpipe? Yeah. yeah, Scotty. Scotty. Yep. Go ahead, so, 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 well, so the thing that I want to bring up about that is that, like, so to me, I understand that the bagpipes are an important part of Scotty's culture because, you know, he's Scottish. Um, yeah. But, man, you wouldn't think that they're an important part of Spock's culture. And wouldn't you honor your fallen friend's, uh, you know, memory by featuring something from his culture? And, in fact, not only that, uh, but it's, you know, it's a religious song. And it's so, like, to me, that is, and I don't, I'm not saying I don't like the song. The song is amazing. And it's, of course, a staple of, of so many people's lives. And I do not have a problem with the song one bit. However, what I will say is I don't know if it belongs in a, in a, in a Gene Roddenberry-inspired uh, space opera, you know? <laughs> it feels like there are so many, like, couldn't they come up with some cool Vulcan music to play? or some other way to honor him at the end. For me, it's the one thing at the end of the movie that totally pulls me out of the moment. It really does. It, like, yanks me out of that moment. All of a sudden I hear that, and I'm, like, back in church, you know, which is not a bad thing necessarily. I'm just saying that it doesn't keep me glued to the movie, which is where I want to be. Well, I think that this is a, this is a complaint that um, a lot of people have. Anytime that you have a Star Trek movie, and they play a song, a modern song. People complained about the music in First Contact because they played Ooby Dooby. And why would they be playing that song? It's a modern song. Wouldn't they be playing something else? We heard it with the Beastie Boys. No, they, they but that doesn't have it. No, no, no. That's different, Jim. That's different. That's different. No, no. First of all, Amazing Grace is not a modern song. It's been around for a very long time. And it well, no, would be old at that point, of course. But, right, but yeah, that's my point is that it's it, 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 it's 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 a, a modern day song that's, that's played today that is hundreds and hundreds of years in the future still being played, which makes it an old song by modern day standards. But I think that the big reason why they do that, which is the same reason why they, they did that in first contact, why they did it in star Trek 2009 is that when they play music, that's recognizable to today's audiences. They play that music because it instills a certain emotion certain feeling and that's why they played that particular song yeah i totally agree with you and i and i do think that um these days if that movie were to be made these days i think that they would take a different tack because they would recognize that amazing grace is a song that is known by a certain group of people like it's known by folks who are christians and you know it's not necessarily known by everybody in the world and i think that they probably would would come up with a, you know, a new composition or 
like the Beastie Boys is totally different from Amazing Grace to me. It's that is making a connection to the past that is totally secular. Whereas Amazing Grace, they're playing that at a funeral for a Vulcan. That's what seems out of character to me. Well, maybe it's the only song Scotty knows how to play on his bagpipes. Maybe it's what he knows the best. I mean, I mean, it is also a Starfleet funeral and not a Vulcan funeral. Well, good point. No, that's a good point, Nate. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's not totally plugged into his culture. Yeah. Which is a little weird anyway. Why wouldn't they take his body back to Vulcan? Why would they shoot it into the planet instead? Well, see, see that now you're 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 diving into our next week's movie. Well, no, the, the following know. show, because when Sarek goes to <laughs> goes to Kirk, he says, "Why did you leave him on Genesis? Why did you shoot him into the planet? <laughs> yeah, why did you shoot him into space, you you idiot? We'll talk about that on our next podcast. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> But, well, listen, we uh, love Star Trek yeah. anyway, so, you know, it, it, it just if we're ragging on it, that's we're ragging on it out of love, okay? Oh, we're yeah, not totally trying yeah. to be mean, and we're, we, we, I, we love Star Trek and Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, so, you know, don't, don't, don't send us hate mail, okay? We're just having some fun. <laughs> one, of the last, one of the last things I ran into, which I thought was interesting... Here's a trivia that I threw out last night to the club and nobody got. Who can name the original theatrical name of this movie? The Revenge of Khan. Nope. Khan (laughs) 2. No, because they changed changed the name because it was coming out at the same time as Revenge of the Jedi. They were gonna. Uh, and they, no, they changed, not, that. Uh, not that. What was the original name of this movie? The name has been modified, but not to what you're thinking. I'm pretty sure that. Okay, well, what's the this answer? It's titled Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. Not. It was later named Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Ah. But the original theatric release did not have the two in it. The two was added later. I thought yeah. I, I seem to recall in my my old age that it was originally going to be the Revenge of Khan, and they decided that was too close to Revenge of the Jedi, which originally, mm-hmm. and so they changed the name. The the Jedi, and yeah. then yeah. and then George yeah. Lucas changed the name of Star Wars. The Return of the Jedi, so Revenge of, of of Khan could have stayed the same, and so they changed the name of the movie because of Star Wars, and then Lucas changed the name anyways. That was the story that I remember hearing. Well, the story I was picking up was the fact that the two, we always see Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Two was not in the theatrical release. Hmm. It wasn't until they were getting ready to do a sequel that they decide to add the two in there. But they did the motion picture, then they did the Wrath of Khan. They didn't actually number them. Interesting. Well, Charles, as a, as a quick update to your uh, idea there, uh, Memory Alpha does say uh, that uh, the uh, they were going to call it the screenplay titled Star Trek New Frontier revised to uh, revised on September 29th, 
un, under the name Star Trek the the Undiscovered Country and finalized on January 18, 1982 as Star Trek II The Undiscovered Country. So that was another uh, name apparently that yep. they were using for I a while. I did run into that one where it was Undiscovered Country, which later became Six. But the right. Kirk really won Undiscovered Country, but that they didn't want to do that for this movie. Well, ah. guess, guess what time it is, guys. So, yeah, that that wraps up another two hours. Hard to believe. Um, <clears throat> in closing, yeah. I just want to say uh, thank you to Nate for hanging out and talking with us tonight about the Wrath of Khan. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, it was a great time. I look forward to meeting you at the at the 55 year Las Vegas convention as well. So I look forward to that. And uh, right. of course, thank you to Shannon for uh, pulling up a chair at the table with us tonight. Thank you very much, Shannon. It's always great to hear from you. Always to talk to you all, guys. It'd be nice to see you all at some point, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, yeah. Well, you you you've already met Charles and Eric. It's just you know this old guy over yeah. here you've never met yet, but that's okay. Yeah. I got a few more years okay. in me. <laughs> and, of course, yeah. got to say thank you to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight Yay. and for all those awesome write-ups, which you guys will be able to read in the Creation Entertainment uh, bio on Leslie. And also, if you want to help us out getting to Star Trek Las Vegas, remember, we're hanging out over Wisconsin right now. We need to get to Vegas. we got a little bit ways to go. If you go to our GoFundMe page, there's an excellent write-up there about this podcast and about what we need the money for. And that was also written by Eric. So thank you very much for, for that, Eric. And thanks for hanging out and trick talking with us. Oh man, I had a blast. And thanks so much to Nate and Shannon for calling in. It's awesome to have you guys. Always fun. And of course the best for last, my right hand man, Charles, who's been there for, Oh, I don't know. Five, five years. Has it been Charles? It's been a while. Yeah, close to five years. I couldn't do the show without Charles. So thank you so much, Charles. And I look forward to meeting you in Las Vegas. I look forward to being I look forward to you coming into Vegas. It's going to be a blast. Interesting meeting. Yeah. And the Leslie Hoffman will be with me as well. So we're going to have some fun. And last but not least, thank you to each and every single one of you guys who's listening around the globe. No matter what city, no matter what country, we really appreciate you guys. Even if you're not listening to us live right now on Thursday night, even if you're downloading the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes or iHeartRadio or any other podcast provider, we really appreciate it. So thank you so, so much. We couldn't do the show without you guys. And one more time, um, we've been invited to the Star Trek 55-year convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th to August 15th. We're going to be the official podcast of the convention. We'll be there the entire weekend doing several live broadcasts from the show. We could really use your help getting there. So please head over to our Facebook page. Uh, We have a fundraiser there. We also have a GoFundMe there as well. And we'd appreciate anything you can do. A dollar would be great. If you can't uh, help us out, you can help us out by sharing our fundraiser. Anyone that you know that's a Star Trek fan, any groups, any Star Trek fan pages that you belong to, 
please help us spread the word and share our GoFundMe page on as many places as possible. We'd really like to get out to Vegas and meet each and every one of you guys face to face to face. So without any further ado, that wraps up the show. Good night, everybody. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and hailing frequencies are closed. But before I close them, I usually end the show with uh, Captain Picard saying engage. However, in honor of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, I'm going to end the show with a little soundbite that always brings a little bit of a tear to my eye. In fact, this soundbite actually uh, is sadder for me than the actual death scene in uh, The Wrath of Khan because uh, this was the first and only time that Leonard Nimoy actually does the eulogy. So um, hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. And here's Mr. Spock at the end of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Space, the final frontier. These are the continuing voyages of the starship Enterprise. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life forms and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.